on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Row, now on 96.5 FM, baby. I was out in the Mohawk Valley today, went and saw my boy Jimmy, got my hair cut, talked about how both of our hockey teams are actually playing well right now, many other sporting topics. He tried to bring up tennis, but I shut that down. Always great to be in the Mohawk Valley and great to be back on the FM dial at 96.5 on ESPN Radio. Utica Row. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app wherever you are. That's a great thing to have on your phone this week because you might be going out of town for the holiday. You might be going to Grandma's house or wherever you're going, but you still want to stay in touch with everything that's happening here on ESPN Syracuse and ESPN Radio Utica Row. Just put the app on your phone. It's just the good old-fashioned ESPN app, which you should have anyway. You find the Listen tab, you find us, and off you go listening in crystal clear sound wherever you go. Take us to Grandma's house. We like her apple pie. Here's how you get in touch with the show today. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Speaking of pie. So I, I don't know where this Friendsgiving thing came from, but I'm, I'm glad it's a thing. Like people bringing all sorts of food to work. I will never doubt anybody's motivation to do that. I'm just going to start making up stuff. Hey, everybody, are you bringing food for Friends Christmas? Yeah, that, that's that's the ticket. So today was like our, our work Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving. I don't care what they call it. All I know is I came here, there's a lot of food, and I just had some delicious pumpkin pie made by the great Lisa Chalenza from Gomez and Lisa. I join them every Wednesday, by the way, Wednesday mornings, usually around 7.30-ish. So listen, tomorrow morning we'll be doing that, and I will be complimenting her in person on the delicious pie. Do you guys have Friendsgivings or Worksgivings or anything? It's, it's see, like, I, I'm going to get off on a rant here. I should talk sports, but just briefly. Like, true, true Thanksgiving players have a game plan, right? Like, it's like Joey Chestnut doesn't spend the couple of days before the hot dog eating contest eating hot dogs, right? Like there's a point you got to shut it down. You got to focus. Maybe you just, you know, have lighter meals to get ready for game day, right? So I don't know if this is going to throw me off my game Thursday, but we'll see. 
I couldn't resist, though. So I don't know where Friendsgivings came from. They're not exactly things I'm going to protest against, but I don't know. We'll see if I can have my usual Thanksgiving Day performance. Anyway, I'm getting off track here. We've got two guests joining us today that we are excited to chat with. You'll hear from Syracuse Crunch owner Howard Dolgan coming up this hour. It's been a while since we checked in with Howard. The 25th anniversary season well underway at the War Memorial, and the Crunch are playing terrific hockey. They got off to a rough start. They have recovered from that. They are in a great streak right now. They will be home this weekend. If you're looking for something to do, always great to get out and go to a Crunch game. They'll be home on Friday night, take on Binghamton. So we'll talk to Howard about all things Syracuse Crunch this hour. Today, uh, you knew these players were going to sign on the dotted line. It was made officially official, but never hurts to recap that Syracuse basketball recruiting class of 2019, which is a great class and could get much better if Isaiah Stewart signs on the dotted line. So if you're wondering about that, how football recruiting is doing now that Syracuse is just on this gangbusters run here back on the national scene, what kind of bowl game they're going to get, all that. Well, when we have questions like that, we turn to our friend Mike McAllister, the recruiting guru from QSNation.com, and we will certainly do that today. Looking forward to having him on at about 520. It's Top 5 Tuesday where I rank the top five teams in the NFL and college football. Frankly, that hasn't been that hard to do as of late, so we'll kind of add a little bit more to that conversation than the obvious rankings where they go Syracuse Boston College little hoops talk today as you would imagine but listen I know it is four o'clock in the afternoon and by now most of you have heard read or watched something about that insane Monday night football game last night but I cannot have a radio show that deals with football in the world of sports and not spend a couple minutes on that do you know what happened last night in this 54-51 win by the Los Angeles Rams over the Kansas City Chiefs. Over 1,000 yards in one game. 1,001 yards, to be specific. 14 touchdowns were scored in that game, which is more than the Buffalo Bills have scored the entire 2018 season. The Bills make me want to shout! Yeah. 105 points, the third highest scoring game in NFL history. There were 56 first downs. There were 10 passing touchdowns, three defensive touchdowns, four lead changes in a 35-point fourth quarter alone. 21 penalties by the supposed all-star crew that they brought in. Patrick Mahomes threw for 478 yards and six touchdowns and lost There were 19 offensive plays of 20 yards or more. This was the first time in the history of the NFL that a team scored 50 points and lost a game. That's insane to think about. Gurley is at the side of Goff. There's the shotgun snap. He drops back. Congested pocket. Ball knocked away. Torn away. Grabbed by Bailey. Ripped it out of his hands. Goes in for a touchdown. The Chiefs have scored a defensive touchdown. The great Kevin Harlan on the call, Monday Night Football. The guy is drunk. Our favorite uh, play-by-play guy, right? Just an insane game. Hunt in the backfield. Mahomes is under center. From the Kansas City 27, he's got a first and 10. He gets the snap. He drops back seven. Rolls over the pocket. Got a block from Kelsey. Winds up. Long pass. Oh, he's got Hill wide open. Over the shoulder. Catch 20. 10. Walking in. Five. Touchdown. Down the middle he goes. 
There's a few lessons to take from this game. One, that is the NFL's dream. In this new world where defense is getting more and more irrelevant, defense is getting more and more regulated, you had Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes, two offenses slinging it in the fantasy football, over-the-top stats, hitting, defense, things of that nature being de-emphasized from the game. That was the NFL's dream. Now, the ratings were not as gangbusters as I anticipated them to be. It was the highest-rated Monday night game since 2014, and there were all kinds of numbers and trends I can get into here. We're in a fragmented media society today. This is not the days of Howard Cosell on Monday Night Football, and everybody's watching on ABC, right? It was still a huge audience, one of the biggest things talked about in the sports world today. And it was a lesson that those of you that were predicting the imminent death of the National Football League, I mean, can you just... Hit it for me. Dumb. That's just dumb. Did the NFL take a little bit of a dip? Was there controversy? Anything that uh, our 45th president Yay, democracy. likes to attack? Well, you know, his followers and his... <laughs> I'll be good. Stick to sports, Brent. But his base, I will say, well, you know, I'm never watching football again. I'm going to... Yeah, it's you're, you're all full of crap. Football is still king. And the ratings and the numbers in the game itself is still as healthy as ever. It's a different society. Everything's kind of fragmented in a certain way. But those of you that thought that Colin Kaepernick or however you want to point at whatever issue was going to bring down the NFL, uh, how silly do you feel a year later? I haven't watched. Well, good for you. There's still plenty of people that are. That is the future of the NFL or maybe present day NFL. Because there were a lot of, like, 23-22 games this past weekend. So not everybody's gotten there. And did I mention the Bills have scored only 14 touchdowns the entire season? So not everybody's there. But the teams that are, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Saints, that score, that sling it. I mean, the top four teams in the NFL right now are the Saints, Rams, Chiefs, Steelers, right? What do all those teams have in common? They all score a bunch of points. They all have great quarterbacks. They all have just offense coming out of their ears. Not that the Rams don't have great defensive players like Aaron Donald. It is between Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, who the best defensive player in football is right now. The guy's got 13 and a half sacks, even on that team, that got in that kind of game last night. That's just how the league is. That is that an extreme example of what they want it to be? Yes, it is. And we're in this, you know, best dot ever game era, right? Where we forget history, we forget perspective. And I'm going to sound like the old man in the room here, but how is that not on the list of one of the greatest regular season games football's ever had? And we get lazy in the internet era, and you just kind of like, boy, what are some games that match this? Like, you don't remember them off the top of your head unless your team is involved in them. And, you know, living in the bubble that I do as a Bills fan, I remember like it was yesterday when the Bills played the 49ers in 1992. And the note about that game, I believe this has since been matched, but that was, if correct me if I'm wrong, boys, if not the first, certainly one of the first NFL games in history where nobody punted. This was 1992, so we have seen glimmers of this. The Bills know how to offense when they came along. You know, the greatest show on turf. And the interesting thing about all these teams, which is if last night was a Super Bowl preview, we will all sign up for that. Every one of us would take that. I know if maybe your team's in the mix, you're like, oh, my team's still got a shot. Well, just on an entertainment basis, 
If your team's out of it, like mine is, like Giant fans are, and Jet fans, Steeler fans, and there's plenty of them in Central New York, are like, well, I wouldn't take that over my team. And I understand that. But by and large, most people, if you could be guaranteed that would be the Super Bowl, would sign up for it tomorrow. Forget the playoffs. Forget having to earn it. We know who the two best teams are. Let's go. And that's not to disrespect the New Orleans Saints, who would also put up a hell of a show had they played Kansas City in that spot last night, and if they do get to play in the Super Bowl. But that is what football can be, and some people don't like that. They want to see defense. They want to see hitting. They want to see the officials get out of the way. It wasn't perfect, but what it was is one of the greatest football games we've ever seen. And people have different definitions of that. Super Bowl twenty-five is one of the greatest football games I've ever seen. It was 20-19, to 19, and how Bill Belichick slowed down that Bills no-huddle offense. It had a week to do it. This was a time when there was only a week in between the conference championships and the Super Bowl, and you kind of have to figure out, pick your poison, what are we going to do? And what Bill Belichick did that game was, we're going to let Thurman Thomas run all over the field, but any time a wide receiver touches the football in this high-paced, high-octane offense, we're going to knock the crap out of them. And it was a defensive game, and it was time of possession. The Giants held the football for like 46 minutes in that game, and O.J. Anderson was the... MVP for some reason, even though Thurman Thomas should have been in a losing performance, but they never give it to the losing guy. So that was a great game. We've seen shootouts be great Super Bowls, right? Your definition of a great game may be different than mine. And you know what? I had it slightly on lower volume and... Seth and I were texting about it during the game. That game was so fast-paced and so exciting and so amazing. Like, I I even tolerated Tessitore for a while. The fact is that what makes it, and i, I got to get in my shot on Tess, he's like that for every game. Like, he doesn't know how to turn it up or down based on the flow of a football game. Like, even Gus Johnson's like, dude, can you calm down, please? So that was perfect for Tess because he's that way all the time. But it matched the intensity of the game for once. So if you need a little reminder of where football's going, like it or not, you saw it last night. If you need a little reminder of the power of football in the modern era, adjusted for how things are consumed today, you got it last night. And if that was my Super Bowl preview, sign me up. Sign me up right now. And again, if the Saints get in too, I think they can do what the Rams did, if not more. You know, Drew Brees is competing or completing, pardon me, 77% of his passes this year. And Grandpa stayed up late and it was worth it. That's always my measurement. If I'm going to stay up past my bedtime, it better be worth it. It was well worth it. There was 34 points scored in the fourth quarter of that. Four three seven seventy six forty four Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line's two eight eight zero six four four. So we will certainly discuss that through the show. We will talk some Syracuse football coming up, some Syracuse hoops coming up. We've got Howard Dolgan coming up in a few minutes. We've got Mike McAllister to update us on recruiting, SU football, and more later in the show. Right now, let's see how the stock market's cranking it out. Our boy Mike is here from Lee Baldwin and Company. Mike. How are Excellent. you, bud? How you doing? Doing great, man. How's uh, how's the market looking today, my friend? Well, there's a theme here. If I call in, 
Lee has me call in. I don't know if you've noticed, but that means he means the market's down. And we're down 555 oh. points in the Dow today. He can't make you the down guy? No. I'm What's the, up with that? I have to bring the bad news. Oh, well, someone's got to do it. I appreciate you taking one for the team there, Mike. Down 550 oh, today, pleasure. huh? Oh, yikes. We so, did have a good diamond after hours of Foot Locker, which most of us can relate to. It was up $5 on good earnings. Uh, that, that's after four o'clock. They just announced their earnings about ten minutes ago. And Apple Computer was our dog today. That was down eight dollars and eighty-eight cents. Really? Wow! It was so. Apple so should be getting into buy territory here. It's had a nice Foot correction. Foot Locker, Foot still a thing. Good for them. Foot Locker still a thing. How about that? And it's and interesting. Foot Locker had good earnings, and that caused Nike to pop a little too. Because okay. They're obviously selling Nike shoes, so there's a little bit of a correlation there. They still wear the referee jerseys when you go to Foot Locker? I don't know. Yeah, I, can't I gotta say check I that go out. in there very often. I haven't <laughs> been to Foot Locker in a long time. I'm gonna go back there and get me some no. Chuck Taylors or something. I'm in. Let's go. Well, Mike, I want you to call in next time there's really good news. Okay? T- right. Tell Lee you're not just gonna be Debbie Downer here. You gotta give us the good That's stuff right. once in a while too, right? Thanks, Axe, man. Right. Good night. You too, buddy. That's Mike from Lee Baldwin & Company. You can find him at LeeBaldwin.com or just stop in. Casanova, Utica, make sure that portfolio's got more diamonds than dogs. Howard Dolgan, always a diamond, will join us coming up, the owner of the Syracuse Crunch. They are rolling right now. Let's see if they can keep that going tomorrow night at Bingo and Friday night here at the War Memorial. All that to come with Howard Dolgan next. ESPN Radio. Stay right there. This is On The Block with Brent X. Oh, baby. What's up? Great to have you here. You just hopping on board? Welcome. Hope you can come along for the ride of our hijinks and tomfoolery. If you've been uh, hanging out before this, thanks for doing that. We appreciate we, uh, tolerating this radio program. It's all presented by Serve Pro of North and East Onondaga County. Already heard from Howard Dolgan, owner of The Crunch. We're going to hear from Mike McAllister later this hour on uh, Cruton, on SU Hoops, SU Football. All the latest, the national letters of intent have been signed. So you got four uh, members of the class of 2019 locked in for the Orange. We'll get updates on all of them, refresh your memories on those players, and check in on what could be a fifth member of the class of 2019, the latest on Isaiah Stewart and Syracuse's pursuit of him, plus how football recruiting is doing at this point with our friend Mike McAllister Later on this hour, Top 5 Tuesday, you're welcome to join the program as well at 437-7644. The text line is 288-0644. As always, you can hit me on Twitter as well, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. Uh, our friend Donna DeToda from Syracuse.com noting today that Frank Howard has moved perhaps a little closer to getting back on the floor. He has been... Uh, at practice the past couple of days, you know, both Adrian Autry and Jerry McNamara on this station uh, in their respective shows have cautioned about, you know, just how full go Frank has been. He is participating. He's there. He's dealing with a severe uh, ankle injury, so you don't want to rush him out there too soon. And when Donna asked Frank at practice yesterday whether he would be back, his answer was with a big smile, and I quote, I don't know, it's up to that guy, of course, appointing to Bayheim, which is funny because Bayheim has said, well, he can come back when he's ready to come back, right? So I think everybody's just kind of under the understanding here, like we're not going to push it. We're not going to rush it. He comes back 
when all parties kind of agree that he can, he should, he will, and is ready to return to the floor. I think we all know that Frank Howard's presence is needed, but I would caution that it's some kind of like magic elixir to fix all that ails this team. This is a team that, you know, here's just one clip. This is Jim Beheim after their loss to Oregon on Friday, okay? And you say, well, O'Shea Brissett goes 5 for 28 in these two games at Madison Square Garden. What's up with that? I'd say he's missing shots. <laughs> Maybe he's sleeping wrong, or I don't know. Well, after looking at this, if I could go back in time, I'd say, well, don't take any threes tonight. <laughs> but I can't do that. He's been shooting him good in practice. He is a good shooter. He, he shot 32% last year, but he, he's noticeably a better shooter in drills and in practice this year than he was last year. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's missing. He, he, last night he missed threes, but he missed twos. I mean, he missed layups. I mean, he's still, you know, he's just not there. He's not playing at the level we need him to play. We need him and, and Tyus to play at a very high level. So my question is, how does Frank Howard help that? Because the shots that he's missing were good shots for the most part. Jim noted there, of course, like, don't take so many threes. These are things that he's being told in the huddle. He's being told during timeouts. So if Frank Howard tells him that, how does that make that better? And I'm not trying to downplay this. I think they need some organization on offense. I think they need somebody to deliver the ball in spots where it's more catch and shoot, the offense is flowing, somebody that has a command, has a presence. But it's one of those, you know, certainly you don't know what you got till it's gone kind of things. And I don't want this to be a knock on Frank Howard. He is needed. He's a great player. He's a senior leader. He's all the compliments you can give him. But people that have just been leaning on this, well, when Frank comes back, all will be well. Frank's got to help everything else get well. Right? It, 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 I think, I, yeah, here it is right here. This is something that Jim Beheim noted as well after the game about Tyus Battle trying to do a little too much. When you shoot five for 28, it's like, there's not much you can say about it. I think they're good shots. I think they're guys that are capable of shooting from there. Um, uh, you know, Tyus has struggled. I mean, he's struggling from the three-point line. He's trying to – he knows it, and so he's trying to get to the basket, which is – you know, but it's hard to do against seven foot two and 6'10 shot blockers. But he's trying to do that, but it's – it's difficult. See, there's a case of when Frank Howard comes back, I think it helps Tyus. It helps his shot selection, where he is on the floor, what he feels he needs to do. But it doesn't help him take on those defenders. It doesn't help him miss the shots that were open, that were there, no matter how he had them set up for him. Right? Like, as Jim noted again, this is after the game on Friday, I mean, sometimes you just got to make shots. I think when you play against zones, you got to make some shots. Unless you can score inside, we don't have an offensive weapon inside at the five. So we try to move the ball, get good movement, penetrate, and get looks. Um, I'd say, you know, last night we, we forced a couple threes. I think tonight we had good threes. I'd take those. Uh, but when you don't make them, you're not going to win too many games playing against zone. So. so kind of half that clip Frank Howard does help because maybe he gets the ball to better spots, draws some defenders, gets, you know, whoever it is, Pascal, Barama, Merrick, O'Shea, whoever it is, closer to the hoop, high percentage shots and open shots. But he doesn't help the second half of that. I mean, you heard Jim note it there. We had good shots tonight. I want them to take those shots. They're open threes. 
They weren't making them. There is a mentality. Here's where Frank Howard helps you. It's just a mentality. You are, at best, as whatever sport you want to mention here, and we are on the subject of basketball, so I will stick to that. You are, at best, when you are just playing. When you're not thinking, where am I? Where should I be? Who's running the point right now? I'm usually here when Frank's in the game. I have to be here because Tyus is running the point. Like, the more that's in your head, the more it affects how you shoot. They may be open shots, but if you're not in that rhythm, in that flow, people use the term in the zone, however you want to phrase it, it affects how you play. You're a step slower. It certainly affects you against a team like UConn, who plays like their hair's on fire, and you've got to match that intensity, and if you know shots upon shots aren't falling, drains your confidence, right? So that's where having Frank Howard back, to me, is the biggest deal. It eases the mind of the other players to settle back into the roles that they need to be in. Because it was incredible to watch for a while because you're like, man, this team is deeper. They're getting open shots. They're just not in it. But that's where having a floor general helps. That's where having somebody who's taking care of that helps. So I think that's huge. I think that is the biggest thing of Frank Howard's return. If it is tomorrow, look, you got to beat Colgate. Colgate's better. Colgate, as we'll talk about more in depth on tomorrow's show when we kind of dig in on game day, like this is not your typical come in, lose by 40 Colgate team. Like They've got some players. That might be an NCAA tournament team on the floor, the Dome tomorrow. The Patriot League's, you know, kind of weird, and, you know, you got to win that league and win the conference tournament to get in, but that is a team that is certainly capable of making the tournament that's coming in tomorrow. It's still a team Syracuse should beat. I, I don't know what kind of number you want to put on it, but convincingly given the athletic difference and the physical difference between the teams. So I don't know what we're going to learn tomorrow because no matter what, Frank is just getting back into the flow of things. It's his first game back if, in fact, he does return tomorrow. The next opportunity you get after that is Ohio State. Another true test of where you are and what kind of team you are. UConn and Oregon – well, that test didn't go very well. You failed that test. UConn shot 46 per, and Oregon combined shot 46% from the three-point line. The penetration inside, the perimeter defense was awful. They shot 52% overall. And I know I'm just listing numbers here, but it is a representation of your missing shots. Brissett Battle Hughes Bayheim combined to go 9 of 43, 18%. Meanwhile, UConn and Oregon put up the numbers that they, they did. Syracuse is shooting 42% in effective field goal percentage. O'Shea Brissett, how about this? O'Shea has yet to convert a two-point jumper so far this season. You've got Elijah Hughes playing great. You've got Jalen Carey playing, bat, uh, playing great. Not only on the offensive end, they combined for 13 steals in New York. I think when... Frank comes back, that eases Jalen Carey as well, too, so he can do what he does best. He's a combo guard, had to play a little point, but he's best when he's an offensive player who can create, kind of like Tyus, right? So there's a lot of things that remain on this team that is a good problem to have. Frank returning will ease the minds of this team. It will not solve all their problems, particularly the shooting one. As I said on this show yesterday, and I'll continue to say, I am of the belief that that is a short-term problem. Will there be games throughout the season you don't shoot well? Of course, because that's basketball. But I think more often than not, this team is, is going to be fine in that department just because they have more bodies that are capable of it. They have more options 
Last year, we knew this team couldn't shoot because they only had six guys, and they relied so much on three to generate the offense. When you have Carey and Bayheim and Hughes added to that mix, I mean, percentage-wise, you've just got to be better. And if they're not, well, you got a big problem. So we'll see if Frank comes back on the court tomorrow. We'll dig more into that matchup on tomorrow's show. We're going to dig into that, a little football, a little recruiting next with our friend Mike McAllister from CuseNation.com. Hang in there. We're back after this. Thank you. Bye-bye.